Welcome to Holistically Hope with Rachel Pontillo. I am your host, Rachel Pontillo, and my guest today is Dr. Michael Bruce, who is the author of the brand new book, The Power of When. Dr. Bruce is an amazing author. He's been on numerous TV shows such as Dr. Oz and The Rachel Ray Show and has talked about sleep. He is known as the sleep doctor and is a clinical psychologist who is board certified in sleep medicine true expert on the subject of sleep. And we know that sleep is so important in all areas of life. We've heard about beauty sleep. We want sleep so that we have nice, fresh thinking and we don't have all that brain fog. We want sleep for good overall health. But do we really know when the right time is for us to sleep? So I hope you'll join Dr. Bruce and I right now as we learn more about the power of when. Hi, Dr. Bruce. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a great time. And I am so excited to talk about your brand new book, The Power of When. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun uh, in the writing and then getting the word out. And people are really uh, seem to be attracted to the whole idea of what is a chronotype and how does it work and all that kind of fun, funky stuff. Absolutely. And we're going to get to that. But before we do, I just want to say thank you for writing this book because I feel that I have been a very misunderstood sleeper pretty much my whole <laughs> life because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a wolf, according to your quiz. And, uh, as am I. As yay. am I. You know, I'm a, I, I, I work late. I don't function very well super early in the day. My brain is on to the point where I can check emails. I can run errands. I can get the kids off to school, even though I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I get back from dropping them off, and I don't know how or right. when. I'm like... Okay, yeah, I got them there, and I don't know what they're wearing. I hope they have their lunch. Right, it's right. That part of my brain is just not awake. And if somebody asks me to do analytic work or creative Forget work it. or be physically present for right. a person, it's just not possible. And I feel terrible because I've had client meetings before at 8.30 in the morning, and they're in it, they're here, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And then afterwards, I'm like, thank God I take good notes because I have no idea what I just said to this person. <laughs> so that is classic wolf behavior, just so that you know. Yeah. And, you know, I know there's a ton of books out there about the why sleep. I mean, you, you have books. I've, yeah. I wrote about it in my book and I've written blog posts about it. I think we all know we need to sleep, right? Right. That's pretty obvious. We need to sleep obvious. for productivity, <laughs> for beauty, for all of these things in our life. But I think... Mm -hmm. This is the first time that I'm seeing the when to do it based on who you are. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the neat part about it, right, is, you know, people always ask me, like, what is a chronotype yeah. and, and why, how did you kind of come up with this idea and sort of what's going on with it? So um, if I can, Please let me, do. Let me, let it, let's yeah. talk about what, what a chronotype is because this is, I'm sure, a concept that's new for a lot of people. Yeah. So, you know, most self-help books tell you what to do or they tell you how to do it. They don't tell you when to do it. And uh, it all started out with a patient. So I'm an actively practicing sleep specialist. I have a PhD in clinical psychology and I'm board certified in clinical sleep disorders, which means I took the medical specialty board without going to medical school and passed. And then they said, oh, crap, I guess you're a sleep doctor now. <laughs> And so um, I'm one of 160 people who are uh, out there and I've been in practice for about 16 years and my specialty is insomnia and insomnia is tough. Um, insomnia is not easy for a lot of people and when people are at the point where they're not sleeping well, 
a lot of difficult things can happen. And that's kind of where that's my wheelhouse. Now I treat apnea and narcolepsy and all those kind of good things as well. But insomnia is really kind of my specialty. And, um, I had a, a patient, uh, come in a couple of years ago, uh, and, uh, we, my techniques weren't working. I tried non uh, pharmaceutical techniques. I tried nutraceuticals. I tried scheduling. I tried all kind of the, the tools in my tool chest, if you will, and nothing was working. And, and that was confusing to me because to be honest with you, I'm usually pretty successful most of the time. And so I sat down and re-interviewed her and I was like, what's going on? And she said, Dr. Bruce, it's not that I can't fall asleep and it's not that I can't stay asleep. She said, I sleep at the wrong time. I said, what do you mean you sleep at the wrong time? She said, if it were up to me, I would go to bed at two and I would wake up at nine. And I was like, okay. So now I'd heard of shift work sleep disorder. So these are people who work the night shift and then their, their body clock is off during the day. And I have two teenagers. I have a 14 year old son and a 13 year old daughter. And so they are wolves. Like we've been talking about, I don't explain to everybody what that means in a second. Um, but they are night people. They like to go to bed at, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning. And then they like to sleep until noon the next day. I don't know if anybody out there has teenagers. This is a classic teenager move. By the way, it's driven by their biology. They can't help it. Um, so I'd heard of that kind of stuff, but I hadn't really heard of it very much in an adult, especially not to this extreme. And so I said, all right, well, let's do an experiment. So I called up her boss and I said, would it be possible for her to come in two hours later and stay two hours later? So coming in like around 11-ish, 10, 30, 11, and not leaving until 6.30 or 7. And he said, Michael, I'm going to fire her at the end of two weeks if something doesn't change because she couldn't get to work on time, falling asleep in meetings, not being productive. And he's like, and I really like her. And I know that when she's on, she's amazing, but I can't figure this out. I said, mm -hmm. let's do the experiment. He was like, we don't have anything to lose. Let's go for it. Within seven to 10 days, it was a miraculous change. It was really kind of weird too, because I called him back up and he said, she shows up on time. She's participating in every meeting. Her work product is a thousand percent better. Like, I don't know what you did to her. And I said, I, I didn't do anything. All I did was I switched her time of when, you know, to what I think might be more genetically where she's at. And then something weird happened. I talked to her husband and he said, I like her more. Whoa. Right. That's a big that's, statement. That's pretty significant. Yeah. And then we talked to, and he said, and my kids told me that they get along better with mom now that she's better. And they, and they couldn't describe it. It was very, very interesting. They were, it was kind of quite fascinating. And I said, okay, something is going on here. So brought her back in and she was like, oh my gosh, you know, you saved my job, saved my life. And I'm like, well, hold on, there's more. Um, let's figure out what else is going on. And I said, are there certain times of day where you find you're able to be more productive than others? And she said, actually, um, when I'm doing analytics, it's really difficult for me to do it right after I wake up. But right after I wake up, I can be much more creative. Right. And you actually mentioned that just a minute ago yourself, you know, like when you get your kids up, you're kind of in this brain fog Total trying phase. to get through the day. Like right. Zombie yeah. mode. Right. And so it turns out that actually for wolves, which is what the, my patient was and you are and I am, are, we are night people. Right. And so morning times are very, very difficult for us. But there are, there is data to show that some morning times can actually be a creative time. So I started to kind of understand that. And I so I dug into the literature and it was fascinating because what ended up happening was is that there wasn't a lot of ways to assess somebody like that. Like I needed an assessment tool because everything I read was either if you were a super early morning person or a super late night person. But then I was like, well, what about people in the middle? And what about my insomnia people? Like what there, there's more than two types here, but there was no tool for it. So I said, all right, screw it. I'll just make my own. 
And so I went into the literature and I looked at personality traits. I looked at um, timing traits. I looked at all these different things and I came up with this quiz and you've taken the quiz. Thank yes. you, by the way, for taking You're the quiz. You're welcome. Um, and uh, people out there, if they want, they can check it out at thepowerofwhenquiz.com. And we'll link um, to that in the notes. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, perfect. Thank you. And so what's great about that is, is that it's free. You go in and you take your quiz and you fall into one of these four buckets of types of people. And um, let, let me explain to you what those types are and then what I did with the types. And so um, I'm not a bird. I'm a mammal. And so I wasn't too happy with being called an early bird or a night owl. So I chose animals from the animal kingdom that actually have these these patterns to their sleep habits. So early, early morning people are called lions. Now we know that lions in the animal kingdom, they their first kill is usually at dawn. They are um, very early risers and then by the middle of the day, they're napping, they're relaxing and, and as soon as nightfall comes, they're out cold. Um, and so those are my early morning people. And what we know about them is very interesting. So lions are my COOs of a company. These are operators. These are my type A personalities. Um, who like to get stuff done. It's kind of interesting. They will uh, create a list every day and they like to check off the list and they don't like to go too down for the list. They like to literally go through the list at a very particular order. Order seems to be very important for these people, but they have a tendency to get stuff done. They're great managers um, and they work pretty well. And these are type A people that are very productive. Okay. Um, my middle of the day people are what I call bears. And so bears actually rise with the sun and, and go to go to bed uh, as the sun sets. And believe it or not, most of society is a bear. Hmm. Um, 55% as a matter of fact of people are bears. These wow. are my extroverted, outgoing, fun, interesting people. These are the people that kind of keep society together. Like if you're going to lunch, you want to go to lunch with a bear because they're going to tell you some funny story that happened to them or something that's going on at work and it just makes the whole situation more enjoyable. They like to work hard, but they like to play hard too. And um, they're not big on work-life balance. They're, they're big on work-life integration, right? So they like to kind of have everything going at the same time. It's quite fascinating. Um, but they really, society is built around bears because they're so doggone many of them that that's how society has a tendency to work. I was just going to say, that's the nine to five. That's corporate America. Exactly. That was designed for the bears of society. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's fascinating is if you look at the whole idea of nine to five, that's perfect for a bear, but it's not perfect for a lion. And it's not perfect for you and me who are wolves. So wolves are the night owls. So we have the tendency to be a little bit more introverted, but we're very, very creative people. Um, we are the artists, the inventors, the authors. Um, we are the people um, who, once you get to know us, you can't shut us up. But if you don't know us, we're not really super talkative. We're just kind of laying back. We're trying to figure you out. What are you here for? What are you going to do? That kind of stuff. Um, and then my final category are my problem sleepers or what I call dolphins. And so dolphins actually sleep unihemispherically. So half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators while they're swimming. Wow. I know, isn't that bizarre? I think that's my so, husband. <laughs> it could be. Um, and so what's interesting about dolphins, I thought that was a good representation of my patients who don't sleep very well. My dolphins are my type A personalities, but they have just enough um, obsessive compulsive perfectionism that it gets in their way of their productivity. Um, they're highly, highly intelligent people, good, really good people, but boy, they had, they struggle with their sleep and they really struggle with sometimes with being as productive as they, as they want to be. They have a lot of nervous energy and it has a tendency to affect them throughout the day. 
So now I have these four categories, and I'm like, well, what the heck am I going to do with these? And what I discovered was that they each had a unique biological rhythm or circadian rhythm to them. And so we were talking about, you know, what is a chronotype? A chronotype is, by definition, a, um, a type of individual based on their genetically predetermined sleep schedule. So we now know, genetically speaking, that this is how people are. So it's based on something called the PER3 gene. And the length of that gene and the width of that gene gives us a sleep drive and when our body wants to sleep. Well, once I knew that, I actually knew what all of your hormones are doing during a 24-hour cycle. Oh. Right? So I know that you and I are wolves, right? So I know actually when our bodies want to wake up. And then from that, I know when is our cortisol high, our melatonin low, when is... Um, uh, our neurotransmitters going. So when is our serotonin high, our norepinephrine high, all of those things. And I decided to see if I could match the hormones to daily activities. And it worked out like almost perfectly. So I can tell you the best time of day to have sex, eat a cheeseburger, run a mile, um, ask your boss for a raise, talk to your kids, you name it. It's pretty amazing how there's timing in the day where we find that we can do stuff better. This is just something that seems like it can help people in every aspect of their life. I mean, we talked about, you know, work and then work-life balance kind of, but these specific things like, you know, when you were using the example of your patient, when her husband said, oh, I, I like my wife better. Yeah. And then right. you were saying, knowing the best time for things like sex, like intimacy, which yeah. makes such a huge difference in the quality of someone's relationship and therefore the quality oh, yeah. of their lives. Absolutely. That, this is life-changing information. Yeah, it's cool stuff. Everybody always asks me about sex, so I'm going to tell you all about it. Go is for that okay? it. Absolutely. So it's really interesting. So when you look at the surveys on when do people have sex, 73% of people have sex based on convenience, not based on desire, which I think is an Sad. interesting fact, right? <laughs> and, and it makes sense, right? We have busy lives. And so here's what happens is you get in bed, it's 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, you're lying next to your bed partner, you're not wearing as many clothes, you're kind of relaxed, and you're like, hey, you interested? Yeah, sure, why not? And then- Might as well, let's go, yeah. Right, and that's what ends up happening, right? right. Um, that's very different than an intimate connection that you can have through a sexual experience that could be driven by your hormones. So I decided to look at hormones, like what hormones do you need to have great sex? Okay, so you need estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, adrenaline need to be high, and melatonin needs to be low, right? So what do you think happens at 11 o'clock at night? The opposite, right? right? <laughs> the exact opposite. Like it couldn't be a worse time to have sex than 11 o'clock at night because your melatonin is high and all of those other hormones are low. And those are the things that you really want to have that sort of intimacy connection. And, uh, and so I said, well, that doesn't make sense. That's right. something that I need to talk about with people. And, um, and so we started really kind of playing around. So then the object came up. They said, well, Michael, what happens if you're a wolf and you're married to a lion? Like, how does that work? Right. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, we better figure that out. So I actually, in the book, I created a matrix. And so you put your chronotype across the top and your bed partner's chronotype across the bottom. And I give you different times. And so first of all, blanket across the, across the board, the best time to actually have sex is like Saturday morning at like nine o'clock in the morning. Because all of the hormones that you want to have high are high and the ones that you want to have low are low, almost guaranteed across the board. Interesting. But but I know that that doesn't always happen, right? You got kids, you got, you know, commitments, you got Yard activities, work. Things like that. <laughs> right? Work. Um, 
although I am getting emails from people who are like, I took your advice and now we're getting much more creative in our sexual life, which is fun for people and it kind of reinvigorates things. So I'm kind of glad that we're doing that. So I gave people an early evening time when the melatonin is still low enough and the other hormones are high enough, as well as a morning time for them to be able to, you know, kind of figure that thing out. And then also in the book, I have charts for uh, heterosexual couples and then gay couples and then lesbian couples because the hormone structure is different, right? Sure, sure. So if you have two women, it's very different than if you have two men versus man and woman. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun. We, we did a whole section on that. That seems to be the most popular section of the book right now. I'm sure. Um, yeah, that one. And uh, also people like to know when should they ask their boss for a raise. That seems to be another big Well, point. yeah, I think people pretty much are probably very motivated by better sex and more money. But yeah. I, if I could, yeah. I know you mentioned, you know, time to eat a meal based uh-huh. on your chronotype. And yep. that's obviously something that mm-hmm. concerns our audience a lot since we have a very sure. health conscious audience. And we talk a lot about eating the right foods for your individual type, your individual sure. um, body. So sure. um, what can you say about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when we, so one of the things is we've got two major circadian rhythms. And remember for everybody, just to back up for a second, sleep works on two basic systems. So one is a drive, like hunger, right? So I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I eat something and that drive dissipates. The same holds true with sleep. Sleep drive increases throughout the day. It's based neurochemically on something called adenosine, which is a cellular byproduct. So when a cell eats some glucose, something comes out the back end, that's adenosine. As that builds up in our system, it makes us sleepier and sleepier and sleepier, and that kind of works throughout the day. Um, Coincidentally, if you look at the molecular structure of adenosine and the molecular structure of caffeine, they're off by one molecule. Oh, wow. So this is why caffeine fits into that receptor site and blocks the adenosine, and that's why caffeine keeps you awake, hmm. right, as opposed to getting sleepy. And then once you burn through that caffeine, it all comes rushing in, and that's where the caffeine the crash, crash. Okay. Uh, right, comes in. So that's one system. The second system is your circadian rhythm, and this is your sleep regulator, so understanding when your body naturally wants to go to bed. That's my area of expertise, and that's where chronotype comes in. So all of that is predicated on uh, something called your pineal gland, which is about dead center of your brain. Well. That's kind of the main circadian clock, but there's a second, and it's in your gut. Um, your gut we call the gut the second brain, mm-hmm. uh, and we do that for a reason because it affects so many different areas of what's going on in our world. And so knowing when to eat and what to eat can actually keep your whole day very, very productive. So generally speaking, across all chronotypes, one of the things I like to d- discuss with people is you really want to eat dinner you know, like a queen, you want to eat lunch like a princess, and you want to eat dinner, or I'm sorry, you have breakfast, lunch, and then dinner like a pauper, right? So in terms of amount. So you want to have your largest meal of the day, if possible, to be breakfast. Now let me tell you something, that's not easy for wolves to do, okay? I'm not hungry when I wake up in yeah, the Yeah, I'm morning. not hungry till noon usually. Right. And that is one of the challenges that I have with wolves is because they need brain food. Right. And so when you look at having a larger breakfast and what do you want to have in that breakfast, you want to have good fats and you want to have good proteins. Right. Those are kind of the biggest. You actually want to stay away from carbohydrates early in the morning because carbs make you sleepy. And if you're a wolf and you're already sleepy and you already hate mornings, you throw a bagel in there and you're doomed, okay? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just not good, right? Because that you know, high pancakes level. or waffles, it's like. Exactly. Yeah. None, none of that works well, especially for more night people. 
Um, now, if, I, if you're a morning person, if you're a lion, um, what, what's my recommendation? I'm still of the good fat, good protein recommendation as your big meal of the day. So things like an egg white omelet with avocado would be perfect because you're gonna get the good fats from the avocado, you're gonna get the protein from avocado and eggs, and it's gonna work out pretty well, or egg substitute or whatever you wanna use. Um, but higher levels of protein and larger amounts are gonna be great in the beginning of the day. Also, if you're gonna have fats, it's better to have it at the beginning of the day because you give your body the time to work it off before you go to sleep. You gotta remember is when you do go to sleep, your metabolism really moves into a much lower pace, and so many people have their biggest meal of the day at dinner. Right. And there's no place for it to go but to fat storage, right? You just don't have the opportunity to work it off. It, it doesn't work out well for you. Lunch should be something that you, where you're going to have. And here's where you can start to infuse some carbs at lunch. Um, but be careful because if you have too many carbs at lunch, it makes you feel tired, right? So here's where I'm doing things like I'm having uh, a salad with like arugula, kale, and uh, for example, like poached salmon. Um, or grilled chicken or something like that. You really want to kind of stick to those kind of uh, meals because again, protein is the thing that's going to give you energy. Carbs is going to be the thing that kind of slows you down. And you know, historically, people have not understood that at all. We've always thought, oh, carbs are great energy food. And you know, you see all these big athletes and they're eating, you know, plates of pasta and all that stuff. Yeah, so it doesn't really work that way anymore. I work with uh, uh, one team in particular now, a national football team, and. Um, you know, and these are 350, 400 pound muscle guys, <laughs> and they're not down in, you know, the carbs. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of carbs on the plate, but it's sure. really a protein focus and a high good fat focus for them. And then dinner is where you get your smaller meal, and actually carbs are okay at dinner. Um, but you want to have the right kind of carbs. You don't want to have, you know, the super gluten, you know, you don't, you want to have more like the, the potato or the vegetable based carbohydrates. They're going to be a little bit better for you. Uh, and I have a sweet tooth, you know, I will admit it. Um, I'm an ice Me cream too. guy. I, 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 I personally believe that ice cream is the most perfect food ever invented. Um, and, but I have to be right. But I, have I to used be to feel that way until I realized my body didn't do well with it. But right. Right. that's a whole nother story. I know. <laughs> that's me. Right. Right. So understanding what your body works well with is important. And that's a great point to bring up, but also understanding the timing of it. Right. And so yeah. as an example, our children. Right. And so there are times where as a wolf, you really don't need to be eating food when your kids are eating. And that's really hard to do because family time is important. And sure. meals are one of the best times to have those family times. Now, when you're how old are your kids? I have an almost 12-year-old, meaning like tomorrow she'll be 12, and oh, cool. I have a nine-year-old. Okay, so you're moving out of the bear phase of your children, and you're starting to move into the wolf phase of your children, which is good. Yeah. So it turns out that chronotypes below age 20 um, are pretty set based on age. So, you know, the itty-bitties, like the toddlers and the infants, they're lions, right? They're up at 530. They're raring to go. That could not have been easy for you as a wolf. Right. It was not. Oh, right. It's tough. Sleep deprivation. Um, Honestly, I would have had, I probably would have had a lot more more children if yeah. the sleep deprivation Absolutely. was not a factor. Yeah. My wife and I have said hard. that on numerous occasions. Yeah. We were like, two's our limit because I can't function at the level of sleep deprivation yes. that I'm getting They here, use it right? for torture for a reason. It's right. real. It's, it's exactly. not like, oh, you'll sleep later. No. No, Not if you want me to actually raise these kids well. Right, exactly. And so what's fascinating now is like mealtime at our house. So I have a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old. And if mealtime now has a tendency to shift much, much later, like yeah. 
six thirty, seven o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock. Yeah. And that works out perfect because for those of you out there who find yourself to be a wolf, and again, go to the quiz and check it out, um, what you'll discover is if you eat later, you don't snack later. And that's a big factor, right? That is a big factor because I I will tell you, when I tried to fit into the bear meal plan, plan yeah, right. I found myself up at midnight with a tub of ice cream when I used exactly. to eat it in front yeah. of the TV because right. I wasn't totally. tired, but I was starving. Exactly. And people would say, oh, just go to sleep. You're not hungry. You're just tired. I'm like, no, really not. Yeah, I'm so, hungry. Yeah, right. it, I, I totally agree with, you know, sometimes eating later for some people really does cut down on that late night snacking. It does. And what's interesting about um, things like sweets late at night is our body actually craves them and there's a, and there's a biological reason for it and so my second book was called the sleep doctor's diet lose weight through better sleep and i learned a lot about the metabolic process in sleep and what we discovered was is the more sleep deprived you are the higher your cortisol level right and when your cortisol is high your body wants it to go down the easiest way to lower your cortisol is high fat high carbohydrate foods because what happens is you ingest them and it produces uh, both dopamine and serotonin, which calm that cortisol down. And so basically you're self-soothing. Mm. So it's midnight, you're up, everybody's asleep, you know you gotta get to bed, your cortisol is jacked up here and you're like, what am I gonna do? Your body will literally crave things that you know isn't good for you right. and you'll eat them anyway just to calm you down. The body always knows, you know? I mean, yep. our, our brains, we get influenced by all the noise and all the information out there, but it's yeah. so true. Our bodies really do know. And, yeah, it's uh, amazing. It is. Yeah, well. So let me ask you a question. Okay. How about coffee? Are you a coffee person? Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> so this is, this is complicated because I never drank coffee at all until I was okay. 17 and mm -hmm. got a job as a barista. Oh, nice. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I used to even make fun of my mother and my aunt and uncle for drinking as much coffee as they drank. But then I got, I right. hit like the Starbucks bug and then I'm like, oh, this is the best ever. Um, but then after I didn't have that job anymore and I was in college, I really didn't drink a lot of coffee either. And mm. then I had my kids. I was exhausted, started right. drinking the coffee again, realized Boom. I didn't really like coffee. So it was mostly... <laughs> milk, sugar, and whipped cream with a dash of coffee. <laughs> um, but I would have a lot of it. So mm -hmm. when I was going through my whole transformation, the weight loss, the clearing mm -hmm. up of skin, getting healthy and all of that, coffee was the first thing to go for me. So I got rid of the coffee maker. I don't buy it anymore. And I switched to tea. So mm -hmm. I have found a way because I've been, of course, reading all these benefits of coffee in different ways right. to have coffee that can actually be very helpful. Absolutely. And I'm like, well, okay. But I know myself that if I allow myself to have it in my house, bad things happen. So I still don't have a coffee maker in my house. I, I still stick to matcha and herbal tea right. at home. But when I'm out, I do enjoy coffee. If I'm at someone's house or right. if I'm at ballet and some of the moms want to go to Starbucks, I'll go get a coconut sure. milk latte. Right. Um, so yeah, but I do, I do enjoy it, but, um, I had to train myself to like it better without the sugar. I, I try to have it either black so I'm all for that. I'm or all for that. unsweetened. So what's interesting when you look at coffee, so you're the rarity, okay? okay. You're not the norm, right? Cause most people drink 
coffee and they drink it throughout the daytime, right? Because right? there and there are some health benefits to coffee. There are not health benefits to the, you know, the foam and the caf the sugar, the sugar and the whipped yeah, cream the and the drizzle of this right. and the that. You know, that's all candy. different. Right, exactly. But it's what's fascinating candy. is when you look at um, your first cup of coffee. So I've had a lot of people, I, I have a whole chapter in the book of when should you drink coffee. And it's very interesting. So when your body brings you out of a state of unconsciousness, it does so using two specific hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, mm -hmm. right? So when your body is ready to wake up, these things jack up and that forces you to actually wake up. And, and if you look at it from a strength perspective and you take cortisol and adrenaline versus caffeine, it's like cocaine and weak tea. Okay. It's wow. like very, very different. But yet so many people, the very first thing that they do in the morning is they drink a cup of coffee. So here, I'm here to tell you that that's not the best idea. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't drink coffee, but I'm going to tell you when to do it. Okay. So first of all, most people don't know, but while you're breathing at night, you breathe out approximately one liter of water a night. Okay, just from your just from the humidity of your breath. Wow. Okay, I'm not and surprised. This part, yeah, this is part of the reason that people wake up with chapped lips um, and they're dehydrated, right? right? So the very first thing that you should do is drink an eight to ten ounce glass of water. Uh, it should probably be room temperature because it's a little bit easier for your body to accept it from a hydration standpoint. Sure. And um, that's one of the first things I ask people to do. So people are like, but Michael, I, I got to have my morning cup of coffee. I got to clear the cobwebs. I, I I can't focus. What I tell people all the time is, first of all, the water helps rehydrate you, so that gives you energy. Um, the second thing you do is walk over to the window while you're drinking your water and get some direct sunlight. Mm. So it turns out that direct sunlight hits a very particular cell in your eye called a melanopsin cell, and this sends a signal to your brain to stop the melatonin faucet, right? Because that's the reason that people have such a hard time in the morning is their melatonin faucet is still going. So for you and I who are wolves, um, and again, we're night people, our brain doesn't want to be up at 6.30, right. 7 o'clock in the morning, and, and our brain wants to continue to sleep, and so that's why the melatonin is still going. But sunlight, right in through the eyeball, cuts it right off. So that's a, a neat trick, is drink water, get sunlight, right? First thing in the morning. If you can, even do a very small amount of exercise, even if it's push-ups or sit-ups, just something to get the respiratory system going, get the blood going, it, it'll help dramatically. Then, about two hours later, that's when you hit your coffee. And here's why. Because your cortisol and adrenaline starts to fall and it takes almost 120 minutes for it to start to lower. And if you increase it, and you can actually increase it by adding caffeine and that'll give you that lift again. So for people out there, drink your first cup of coffee when you get to work. Okay. You, you don't need to drink it on your ride in. You don't need to drink it. You know, I've got people who their alarm clock is attached to their coffee machine. And yes. Right, and they wake up, and all of a sudden, it's literally the first thing they do, and they drink three, four, five cups in the morning. All that does is it gives you the side effects of caffeine. It gives you the jitters. It doesn't really actually affect your energy level. If you're using it as a supplement for energy, wait about two hours, and then let it kick in, and you'll be surprised how much more effective it is. That's really fascinating, and I'm sure plenty of people are going to appreciate you saying that you can have coffee, just... Maybe reconsider the time. So that's that's really great information. Is there anything else that you would like to add, either about chronotypes or about you know what sure. this means for people before we sign off for today? I do. Well, so can I give everybody a cool recipe to help them sleep better? Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is one of my favorites. So magnesium turns out to be super good for people to sleep. 
Okay. And uh, nature's sleeping pills are bananas, it turns out. So mm. bananas have a tremendous amount of magnesium, but it turns out that the peel has three times the amount of magnesium as the fruit itself. No, I'm not going to ask you to eat the peel. I'm just okay? going to say, is that edible? <laughs> What you do is you get an organic banana and you wash it off to get all the dirt and stuff like that off. You chop off the tips and then you take the fruit with the peel on and you cut it in half with the fruit in it. And you drop it into about three cups of boiling water and you boil it for about three or four minutes. And then you steep the water and you drink the water. It's called banana tea. Banana tea. You can add a little bit of honey or a little bit of cinnamon to taste. If you like bananas, it's delicious. Sounds and good. you're out like a light. So if you're having, if you're a dolphin and you're having problems sleeping, try my recipe for banana tea and check out the book. That sounds fantastic. Well, thank you, Dr. Michael Bruce, for being with us today. Sure. Everyone check out the new book, The Power of When. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. This has been awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening and for watching. And thank you so much to Dr. Michael Bruce, author of The Power of When, for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Dr. Bruce, go on over to his website at thesleepdoctor.com. And of course, to take the quiz to find out what your chronotype is, head on over to thepowerofwhenquiz.com and check out his book, The Power of When, at thepowerofwhen.com and also your favorite book retailer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about regarding when the best time is to sleep and different chronotypes and when the best time is to eat certain things and do other things based on your chronotype. I had a great time learning about this with Dr. Bruce. I hope you will subscribe to my YouTube channel, like this video, subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, and come back for our next episode. Go on over as well to holisticallyhope.com. Leave me a comment on the blog and subscribe for free updates. Thank you for joining me. I'm Rachel Pontillo. I'll be back soon with another episode and I wish you a beautiful day.